You're listening to the Veteran Etc. Podcast, as there's always more to be said about a veteran. Join your host, Mike Kim, a veteran, ex-monk, season war trauma therapist, and writer, as he shares his years of research in veteran readjustment culture and the meaning of warrior life. Now, here's your host, Mike Kim. Veteran, etc. This is a show dedicated towards veteran culture and the veteran readjustment reality. I'm your host, Mike Kim, and I've been searching veteran culture since the early 90s. On this episode, I provide an audio essay on the oath that we take as military personnel. It's an oath to be honored, not kept. Lately, you might have come across the news reports about the Oath Keepers. Now, this essay isn't dedicated towards slamming the Oath Keepers, but yet I do slam the Oath Keepers, not just in their views, but in their present situation. But this show isn't obsessed or caught up with the drama behind the Oath Keepers. Instead, we want to take a critical look at the oath that we make as military personnel. I think it's important because oaths aren't something, in my view, to be kept. They're more to be honored. I mean, let's make that distinction, right, between keeping and honoring. Keeping has more of a possessing. Honoring is outwardly oriented. It's not so much an issue of keeping as it's more an issue of utmost respect for something usually larger than you or something or someone that is connected to you directly. We give oath on different professional practices. We have an oath of military service in the United States. We even have oaths for federal state employees, and local employees, I believe. I know for sure for the feds and on every level in regards to law enforcement, what, whether it's local to federal. And the local oaths are surrendering towards the larger oath that's the federal oath. And that oath is focused on the Constitution, that one who takes the oath must honor. And ultimately, that means the people, that one has an obligation to the people of the United States, not just a group, but more the whole country. So... I have problems at times when I learn that the Oath Keepers, for example, only have uh, roughly 2,000 active people. There's probably something like 30,000 people who've given to the Oath Keepers or have had some type of contact with the Oath Keepers. That's still such a small number representing the masses. And again, I'm not trying to politicize the situation happening with the Oath Keepers. But I really want to look at what is the meaning of oath for us all, whether you're a veteran 
or you're someone in the military right now regarding your military oath. A lot of people think that the Oath Keepers are focused on some type of veteran oath that we have. That's part of the Oath Keeper approach towards oath-taking and military duty and obligation. I think what Stuart Rhodes is a master of information in regards to propaganda. And so he won't make clear distinctions, but he knows the clear distinctions. I notice that Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers, attended Yale. I attended Yale, and I was familiar with a lot of the law students and law professors, like Professor Coe, Professor Stephen Carter, several others, I believe, when I was there, when I was at Yale. Oh, Judge uh, Calabrese, Richard Fern, I believe, was in my program and also at the law school, I believe. I, I believe he, he dealt with environmental law from a spiritual perspective. It's just quite interesting thinking about Yale Law School and that, you know, on one end, you know, it produces folks like Hillary Clinton and, and Bill Clinton. But at the same time, ironically enough, it produces folks like J.D. Vance and this Oath Keepers founder. And so it's interesting. What are these folks all about and what do they have in common in regards to the Yale reality, the Yale Law School reality. And that is Yale Law School is known for being the law school focused on the Constitution. Columbia Law School also has that. But from what I've read and from what I've heard, basically, if you want to be a judge in, in the Supreme Court, you want to go to Yale Law School. I mean, Harvard, Columbia, you know, there's no doubt you still have chances to, to be on the bench. But there's something about the Yale connection, from what I've heard, that sets you up for going, you know, taking a seat on the bench. Anyway, I, know I did not go to law school. These are things that I have heard through the grapevine, through different friends who attended the law school. But I did spend time talking to many in the law school. And I did find it quite interesting that law students are much like theology students in many ways, because we are given texts to review and we must try to interpret text. And Yale is known for its interpretation of text in regards to scripture. And also when you look at the law, Yale is seen as, as a leader as far as having law students interpret the legal documents of our country. So so I guess w when we look at folks like the Clintons or like, you know, J.D. Vance, you know, on, on the other end, and, and the Oath Keeper founder, Stuart Rhodes, we find that what's in common is this issue of interpretation. And so I wonder if Stuart Rhodes truly took time to interpret what a military oath is. A military oath is focused on those who are still in uniform. I'm not in uniform anymore, so I don't have an oath. Those who are in uniform are, they are under oath. At the same time, let's just say that when you're in the military, you follow orders do I believe blindly? No, I don't believe in that. But it's very difficult to show 
because it doesn't happen as often as you would think, but for an unlawful order to be given to a subordinate. Why I bring this up? I bring this up because the Oath Keepers seem to look at the military as constantly, um, especially under Barack Obama and Biden now, as constantly compromising the Constitution, and thus compromising the oath that the military person may can't find anything presently that would truly justify accusing the U.S. military of subjecting the masses of unlawful orders. And I even think even in the last 20 years in, in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, I'm sure there were instances of that. But as far as the mass decisions that were made during the Iraq-Afghanistan war, I wouldn't say that there were direct orders that compromised the Constitution. Now, we, we can have a debate on all of that some other time. But what we have here is this issue of the oath and how we as American veterans are to look at the oath. And the oath of service, one, we should remember that it was something we did to enter the military, to continue on in the military, or to rejoin the military. And that oath is just a pledge, really, of loyalty towards the Constitution. It's not possessing it and to subjectively interpret it without the greater meaning of honoring the American people. And that would ultimately honor the Constitution of the United States. And so when we're honoring an oath, we're to look at every part of that oath, because that's an important part of what, or I should say the essence of the commitment that we are pursuing. Oaths are something that we will continue to have. The question is, will we focus on honoring that oath or just keeping that oath? Veteran Etc. invites you to join us again with your host, Mike Kim, every Sunday. If the content from this podcast is informative to you, please share the podcast with others. Give a like and or post something you learned from the episode on social media. If interested in other truly informative podcasts like Veteran Etc., check out cominghomewell.com for a listing of other veteran-based podcasts. Thank you for tuning in.